The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. The Africa Business Report brought to you by South African Airways, the author of Africa Bounces Back, uh, case studies from a resilient continent, uh, is Victor Homaswana. Uh, Victor, Nigeria has got, and, and I guess it's a, a sign of the times, and I wonder if anybody's done a study on whether people in economies that are more vulnerable to wild currency fluctuations are bigger holders of cryptocurrencies than those in more stable environments. I wonder if there's a difference, but certainly lots of Nigerians are a little bit concerned about the future of the Naira, perhaps, uh, and have gone quite big into crypto. Good evening, Bruce. I I liked your introduction, by the way, because if you remember, I think it's the Central African Republic or one country in Central Africa that made cryptocurrency and if you like an official and a currency i we we all uh, our eyelids went pop when that happened because a country that doesn't seem to have systems would you would imagine would not be very friendly towards I, uh, cryptocurrencies but if you think about it alternative currencies of any kind or community currencies bruce tend to be acceptable in those communities if you think about it if, if you have a credit card, you can trade just about with anybody and everybody because MasterCard and Visa know who you are. But if you come from a place where maybe there are no regulatory systems, like Somalia, for example, and countries like Kenya, which is another country that is high up there, even ahead of Nigeria in terms of the proportion of its population that is on or using some form of cryptocurrency. This is a study of the United Nations Congress on Trade and Development. So it's not a a, a dodgy kind of research, but you are right. Countries like Nigeria, as you know, that are prone to all kinds of Boko Haram activity and very competitive also, a large population, banking system that is always dynamic. It is more stable now, but if you look 20 years ago, they were consolidating and all kinds of things were happening and you never quite know. And maybe just the competitive nature of Nigerians makes them very ready to adopt things like cryptocurrency. But it's a comparison, Bruce, that found that in Africa, the highest proportion of the population that is having some kind of cryptocurrency account is Kenya, followed by Nigeria and South Africa. And above those countries, you find countries like Russia. And that that goes to your point about whether any uncertainty in a country tends to make the citizens more prone to, shall I say, uh, marketing and promotion activities of, of alternative currencies like crypto. Talk to me about, I mean, oil companies in Nigeria often are accused of all kinds of abuses and we're all familiar with the allegations that are made against the likes of Shell and Exxon Mobil and others. But an appeal court in the United States has made a ruling in favor of Exxon and Royal Dutch Shell to say that they should be able to claim money from Nigeria's National Petroleum Company. This is a weird ruling in a foreign jurisdiction against a company located in another foreign jurisdiction. It's quite astonishing. Yeah. What is the basis of this particular exactly. matter? <laughs> Royal Dutch Shell in 1993. You remember Nigeria in 93 when I think Sania Bacha was about yeah. to take over or was in power? They made a deal with Nigeria in the Gulf of Guinea somewhere to drill and, and lift oil from the fields as Nigeria, you know, is an oil economy. 
around 2005, 2006, when the drilling started, this deal was a partnership with the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation. So it's a joint venture of sorts with the state of Nigeria. Unfortunately, when you do that, in, in this case, you have to agree who's going to do what. But they found, this company, Shell and his partner, that Nigeria, the NNPC, the, the state entity, was lifting more oil than it was supposed to. So it's almost, if you, you, you and I always talk about how oil bunkering happens, where money, oil gets diverted illegally. So they were almost accusing the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation of sort of taking some of the oil for itself. And then they said, no, wait a minute, you can't do that. We are in a joint partnership. But in 2011, I think, they started the litigation and a court in the U.S., as you say, ruled that they were not entitled to claim, I think, 1.8 billion or so from the government of Nigeria. And now this court ruling, Bruce, has overruled that and said, it is justifiable for Shell and his partner to sue the government for what they consider to have been impropriety in how they conducted their business in this joint venture. And it's good because Nigeria is still a large oil economy. More than 50% of its revenue comes from there. More than 80% of its forex earnings comes from oil. So you cannot have that kind of policy uncertainty. So to know that you can go to court, litigate against the government of Nigeria and win is very reassuring. But then Shell is not going to walk away from anything because they have been fined extensively in that country. So if they can get their own back, they will do it. And I think it's good for them on this one. Thank you to Victor Homoswana, the author of Africa Bounces Back, case studies from a resilient continent without Africa. Business report.